Right, church family, good to see everybody. Merry Christmas to everyone this morning. Looking forward to digging into the Word of God. Take your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Be our text this morning. How many this morning are done Christmas shopping? You're absolutely done already. Anybody in the house? There's a number of hands across the building. How many is going to admit in front of God and ever you're in church this morning? I haven't even started my Christmas shopping. Anybody? Uh, anybody? All right. I like, I love December 24th. I mean, there's nothing like going to the mall on December 24th. And, uh, you know, your, your options are narrowed down for a guy. That's a good thing because then it's not as difficult to pick out, you know, what the perfect present is when you, instead of having a thousand options, you're down to 25 options and you can kind of narrow down. Ladies, don't make it so difficult for us, gentlemen. Uh, we, we struggle on the best of days to find that perfect gift. So if you could just go ahead and, you know, screenshot it and send it in a kind of discreet text to us, uh, with the link to order it, uh, or, or tell us exactly where it's at and, uh, go ahead and have it on hold at the store with their, with your name on it to pick up. Uh, make it a little easy for us. Don't make it so difficult. And, uh, children, young people, if you're, uh, don't forget mom and dad. Uh, those that put a uh, roof over your head and food in your stomachs every day, love on them this Christmas season. And uh, Isaiah chapter 7, this morning we'll begin our series. Uh, how many here like fruitcake? Do we have any fruitcake eaters in the building? All right, that's a number, surprising number of heads. How many people say absolutely not? No fruitcake at my house. That's where I stand. Uh, no football. I, I say uh, friends don't give friends fruitcake, all right? So maybe you're in a different category than I am, but I probably won't eat it. I don't eat coconut, so anything that has coconut in it. Uh, it has this weird thing, it gets in my mouth and coconut gets bigger the more I chew it and it just sticks to the roof of my mouth and it's a texture thing and, and we're just going to bypass the coconut. But anyway, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. How many are eggnog drinkers? Any eggnog drinkers in the building? All right. That's kind of a little bit weird and different, but it's a Christmas, uh, tradition. So, uh, those of you that look forward to stuff like that. Last week we started a Christmas series entitled, He Has Come For Us. And, uh, we're looking at the story of the Messiah, Jesus coming uh, in, through Bible prophecy, through the book of Isaiah, and we're looking to see how Jesus would ultimately come as a baby and what came with a purpose as the light of the world. And he came to bring us to gladness, we saw last Sunday, and to take us from darkness it was a very dark point in human history, and ultimately to take it to the light of life. Jesus Christ came as the light of the world. And so the book of Isaiah is filled with predictive prophecies. In fact, uh, it's been referred to as the fifth uh, gospel oftentimes because it's quoted more than any other book in the New Testament other than the Psalms. And so it, it's beautiful to see all of the, the beautiful uh, pictures uh, of the gospel all through the book of Isaiah. Isaiah um, administered in the Middle East during a difficult period of time. Uh, terrorists from Assyria were attacking and beheading people. So you can imagine what was taking place. Fear gripped everyone. And Isaiah comes on the scene and dares to believe that God could change the situation. That he could send his son Jesus into the world to be a light to offer hope and salvation for people that were desperately in need of it. And so something that seems so dark, it really seems much like our culture today. If, if you turn on any news station, uh, there's so much uh, hatred. There's so much uh, turmoil and fighting around the world today. And to know that Jesus offers light 
in a dark world. And he's called us as the church to be the light in a dark world. He's called us with a purpose to make known his his uh, deeds amongst the people. And Isaiah 64 verse 1 says, Oh, that you would uh, rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. In Isaiah chapter 6, we see Isaiah calling, uh, as, as a, calling as a prophet, and he, he comes face to face with the holiness of God. It's beautiful to see the, the story unfold, and we'll talk a little bit about it. After admitting, um, calling on God, and calling on God, he accepts the call of God to go and, and, and preach the, the gospel, and he says, here am I, send me. Scholars suggest that uh, that as many as 20 years passed between Isaiah chapter 6 and ultimately Isaiah chapter 7 being written. And uh, they were introduced to the evil king Ahaz. Ahaz was a, was a wicked king, as was many of the, the kings in, in those days. And he was upset. Uh, uh, he was uh, he was wreaking havoc amongst the people. And as so you can imagine, he, he sacrificed his own children to false gods. You can it's hard to wrap our minds around it and, and only in going on mission trips and going overseas can you understand the the depravity of how bad some nations have become that people start offering their own children as sacrifices. Having traveled many times to Nicaragua, one of the, the uh, Messiah volcano there uh, right outside of uh, the city of Managua, there is a uh, a place where you can go up and you can look down into the crater of the Messiah volcano. And and history has it that the people back in those days were the 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 uh, earthquake had come and uh, all of the things had taken place and those volcanoes they were going off all over the country and people would come and they would throw their babies down into the hot lava of this volcano and it was to appease the gods so to speak and to keep it from erupting again they would throw their own children into the the hot lava and, and, and to the gods and so here we see King Ahaz is so wicked that. He is sacrificing his own children to false gods. And we see that the prophets Micah, Hosea, and Isaiah all are calling on King Ahaz to repent. And uh, all to no avail. And, and he had deliberately disobeyed God. And in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 2, it says, King Ahaz and his cabinet began to panic. The word of God says in verse 2, the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Isaiah is told uh, to comfort Ahaz by bringing his son to the, to the water um, reservoir. And interesting, Isaiah's name means Yahweh is salvation. And, and, and King Ahaz's son's name means a remnant will return. So ultimately, God was trying to send a message to a wicked king, a sign to a wicked king that if he would return to God, he could, a remnant would return. God would restore their nation. And so we get to verse 13 of, of our text here in Isaiah chapter 7. It says, Hear the O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? So that's the context of which we get our text this morning in verse 14. A, a, a difficult day in the in the land, and, and Isaiah is a prophet of God that God chooses to bear forth the good news. God picks a sign that's unbelievable, it's incomprehensible, it seems impossible. But then we hear it, we see in verse 14, God says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear what church? A son. And shall call his name what church? Emmanuel. Heavenly Father, speak through me as your servant this morning. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, hearts that are open and receptive to the word of God. Just as in Isaiah's day, 700 years before Christ would come to earth, Lord, there was such a wicked and dark time, such a, a, a dark place in history, and yet still, in fact, the, uh, the matter that there was so much wickedness, God, you loved us so much that you would send your son Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of the entire world. God, thank you for loving us, for making it possible, not just for the Jews, but also the Gentiles and ultimately every man, woman, boy, and girl to understand and have the privilege of receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending your son at Christmas all these years ago. Lord, help us this, this morning to understand what came play, what the miraculous birth that came about, and Lord, how you came to change and transform lives. Lord, if there's some in our midst this morning who have never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord, may today be that moment of decision. They bow their knees and confess you as Lord and Savior. God, will be careful to praise you for what you're going to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray. I mean, I want to read verse 14 again. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You see, the prophecy combines God's intervention into the immediate situation regarding King Ahaz. It looks ahead to the ultimate fulfillment of the coming Messiah and the coming coming covenant uh, commitment to David that would take place 700 years later. You can imagine uh, sometimes we're like, uh, how much longer till Christmas? Uh, it's just a, a couple of weeks away, week and a half away. And kids, you're going on a trip and kids are asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Sometimes as an adult, I feel like that. We're driving on a long trip, especially coming back from Disney the other week. I'm like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? How much longer is it? And, you know, it seems like you're, you're looking here as a dad. This is kind of our, our rite of passage. We like to beat last year's time. You know, if you go to the beach, you want to get there a little bit faster than you did. You go to the mountains, you go to Florida, wherever it is you go on vacation, you've been there. You want to beat the, the ETA on your uh, GPS and you're wanting to pass that time and get there in a faster way and you're trying to think of the and sometimes it comes on and they'll say like you could uh take uh cut 10 minutes off your time sometimes i'll tell you they lie to you because uh one time we were coming across the mountains and and it said we could do that we ended off on a dirt road somewhere in the middle of nowhere and my wife is starting to you know she's pulling out her phone and she's pulling up maps and she's like we are lost and i'm like no i promise you we're going to get back there just soon and 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 we we see a hitchhiker walking down the road and she says we're going to get killed out here in the middle of nowhere and they're never going to find our bodies and and before long we turn right and there's I-40 right in front of us and we get right back on the highway and I don't know what we were missing. Maybe there was a wreck somewhere along the way, but we, you know, dad's never lost. I mean, we just kind of keep right on going. You're never going to admit it anyway. But here it was, is there was a, a land that was dark and Isaiah is talking about the virgin will conceive and bear a son and she'll call his name Emmanuel. I want us to look at each phrase, phrase by phrase says, therefore, when you see the word therefore, uh, you should see, look and see what it is there for. What's, what's the purpose uh, of this word? And, and ultimately in this case, it's a word of contrast to show God is gonna, what God will do despite King Ahaz 
disobedience. The word was often used by the prophets to introduce a divine revelation. And so, therefore, it says the Lord himself. It's the name Adonai, which speaks of God's sovereignty. The pronoun himself helps us see that this sign comes from him, and ultimately he's going to fulfill it. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you. In other words, he says the word you is in the plural we're helping us understand God's desire is that every one of us receive the free gift of salvation. He gives his son, Jesus Christ. He's offering it as a free gift. And he says, not only he's going to give us, he says, a sign. This word is used 183 times throughout the scriptures. In fact, in, in, in the book of Acts, there's lots of talks of signs. And it's pointing towards what Christ is accomplishing and what he's doing and Isaiah chapter 38 verse 7 says, this shall be a sign unto you, the Lord, that, that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Ahaz refuses to repent and turn back to God, and yet God is still at work in the nation of Israel. God is still doing a, a new thing, and he says, he'll give you a sign. He says, behold, that word is, is there, it's relating to something that's going to happen in the future. He says, the virgin, the word for virgin was used to describe a young, never married woman. Uh, and in Ahaz's day, there's probably many people who were wondering, could it be me? But God had already chosen a young lady, a teenage girl, that would become the Virgin Mary. She was chosen to become pregnant by way of the Holy Spirit. He says, the Virgin will conceive. It's no ordinary pregnancy, no ordinary birth. A Virgin with child would certainly stand out as a miraculous sign. In fact, uh, often you look through medieval art, there's, there's pictures of Mary, and she's reading Isaiah 7, 14, this, uh, this very text, as the angel Gabriel comes to announce that she will bring forth a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. She can, will conceive, and she'll bear a son. It's obvious, but it's important to understand that what seemed like an unplanned pregnancy in Mary's life was a very planned pregnancy for God's story. God had a plan all along to bring forth his son. And it wasn't an accident. And, and his, ultimately he says, and she'll call his name Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means the strong God with us or God with us. And, and folks, if you have a problem understanding and wrapping your mind around a virgin birth, imagine the fact that God came in the flesh. That's even harder to understand and wrap our minds around. And it, 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 it blows our mind to think that God would come here, leave the glory of heaven, and ultimately insert himself into this world as a man and come to take our place. Jesus came down in order to lift us up. So we talked about the darkness that appeared in, in such, uh, such a time. But folks, there's reasons why we believe in the virgin birth this morning. There's reasons why we must understand and why it's so critical to the Christian faith to understand the virgin birth. Because of the virgin birth of Jesus, it's a key doctrine of Christianity. But it's critical to understanding the Christmas story. Let's look at five additional passages in, beginning in Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18, it says, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, Mary became 
pregnant with the the child, the Christ child, and the angel Gabriel comes and announces what it's going to be like. Verse 19, it says, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He tried to put her away so she wouldn't be embarrassed and, and put to shame. Verse 25 says, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son. Ultimately, Jesus... Was making, he was making way for the Messiah to come. Verse 27 of Luke chapter 1. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was what, church? Mary. There's a story here. Over and over and over, we're seeing it unfold. Verse 34 of Luke chapter 1. How will this be since I am a what, church? A virgin. God's plan was unfolding exactly as the prophet Isaiah had prophesied 700 years before, and we're seeing it come to be. As someone said, it's, it's extremely difficult to make the, the, the terminology of the virgin birth refer to something other than the virgin birth. You see, people who are always trying to dis, disque—they're um, uh, trying to excuse the, the miracles of God and say, "Well, it didn't, God didn't really part the, the Red Sea; it was the Reed Sea." Well, that's even greater miracle that all of the Egyptian army perished in a foot of water. You know, but our God is a God of order. He has a plan and a purpose. And folks, it happened exactly as the prophet Isaiah had said. He, she, he was born of a virgin. And folks, it's not ex difficult to be born of a virgin. It's impossible except but God. God had a plan. And, and it was that plan. Jesus had two natures. He was human, and yet he was divine. He had, as human, he was able to experience all that we experience here in this life, and and pain, and hunger, and and joy, and laughter, and and tears. And and as God, he gives us all that we need. He offers us the gift of salvation. And it's clear from the announcement of the angel and Joseph to Joseph in, in Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-one: She will bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. He came as a savior. He came to offer eternal life. And folks, let's look at it just a little bit closer. Jesus is fully man because he came from Mary's womb. He was born of a virgin. And, and it was necessary for the savior to be born of a woman. So that he would be of the same nature as those that he came to say, but we see secondly, Jesus is fully God because he was conceived by way of the Holy Spirit. Not only is he fully man, he's fully God because he was born by way of the Holy Spirit. And it's just as imperative that he should be holy, sinless, and blameless if he was going to be the spotless lamb that would take away the sin of the entire world. And no mere human is qualified to redeem sinners from their sin. Jesus was the only one. He was the only option. But if the requirements are filled, fulfilled in the person of Jesus, he's fully man, yet fully God. Hold on, I want, to, I want you to understand it. He is the God-man. The one person possessing two natures. John tells us in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
He came and the word became flesh, John 1 tells us, and dwelt amongst us. What's happened is the immortal, invisible, untouchable and holy God is Emmanuel, God with us. What an awesome thing to consider. He suffered. He was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And he cares for you. He understands your needs this morning. He loves you. He sympathizes with you. He cares about the needs of, of your heart, the things that you struggle with this morning. And folks, and I, and you say, do you believe in the virgin birth? Absolutely, because it's the only way you and I can be saved. The Bible teaches that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But it goes on, it says, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Folks, as you, if you understand what Christ has accomplished, the law called for repeated animal sacrifices. But everyone knew that a lamb could not ultimately pay for your sins. That was just paving the way, looking forward to the day Jesus would come as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the entire world. So that Old Testament sacrifice wasn't actually paying for your sins once and for all. It was looking forward to the day that Jesus would lay down his life and shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. There was a problem. By definition, God was immortal. He could not die on the cross for our sin. He's immortal. So he sends his son Jesus as a man. So he took on human flesh. So he could die and pay for our sin. And I love the, the picture of what is happening here. It says, ultimately, he set a sign. He mentioned Isaiah. He says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean, church? God with us. See, from a just a, a an uneducated, just randomly looking at the scriptures, you could read that and say, well, I thought his name was going to be Jesus. Well, that is his name. But Emmanuel means God with us. He was ultimately saying, giving the bigger picture, he didn't just send Jesus into the world. He sent God into the world to become flesh for us. So by means of the virgin birth, Christ entered the world guiltless of the sin of Adam because he was born of Mary, a virgin. And he was he was truly human, but he was conceived by way of the Holy Spirit. So he's free from the inherited sin passed down from Adam. So because of Adam's sin, every single one of us are sinners but because Jesus was born by way of the Holy Spirit, he did not have his sin nature like you and I have. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of who, church? Of God. So what's he saying? He says, ultimately, he's making possible a right relationship for you and I before Almighty God. Jesus came down in order that he might lift us up. It was a miraculous birth. And folks, it should move us to awe and wonder this morning to understand that the God of the universe would enter the womb of a virgin to become like us in order to save us from our own sins. He was just like us, and yet he was nothing like us. 
He was uh, walked amongst us, and yet he came from God above. He grew up in Nazareth, and yet the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He is our friend, and yet he is our Savior and our Lord. Little children loved him, and yet he baffles the greatest minds of his day. At age 12, he was teaching in the temple, and, and their minds are blown. He was called the Son of Mary, and yet he is called the Son of God. Do you believe it this morning? Ponder for just a moment what Matthew chapter 1 says. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Every one of these things are setting the stage for ultimately what Jesus Christ would come to accomplish. I wonder this morning, do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus came, God in the flesh, and took on flesh, died on the cross to ultimately pay for your sin? It, we have to make it personal. And I love how Matthew 2 puts it, the fulfillment of the prophecy in verse 5, he says, in Bethlehem of Judea, he says, for so it is written by the prophet. In verse 15, he says, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Verse 17 of Matthew chapter 2, then was fulfilled that what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And verse 23, it says, he went and lived in a city named Nazareth. So that was, which was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, might be fulfilled that he may be called a Nazarene. And then if you look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 33, we see a 700-year-old prophecy is quoting our very text this morning in Isaiah chapter 7. Verse Matthew 1, 33 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive, shall bear a son, and they shall call his name, there it is, church again, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Just Hold on to this for just a moment because we have more of a sign of God's presence in this text because we have the Son who is a Savior fully and completely present. He comes to earth. He makes possible this right relationship. Say, Pastor, what's the application or how do I make this personal? Ultimately, he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. But Matthew changes that text of Isaiah 7, 14 by one word. They shall call his name Emmanuel. Why is that there? Why is it so important? All the believers can call him Emmanuel. Christmas must become personal. The they is us, which is ultimately you and me. That I may call him my Savior. I can have a personal, right relationship with God. I wonder this morning, will you call on the name Emmanuel? Will you come or call on the Son of God who came to be your Savior? Is God with you this morning? You see, there's, there's one other difference uh, that uh, whenever Matthew is, uh, quotes verses 7 to um, Chapter 7, verse 14, he defines and translates the meaning of Emmanuel. He says, by the use of the parentheses, which means God with us. Why does Matthew take the opportunity to explain the meaning of Emmanuel? 
I mean, you say, hey, these are Hebrew people. Can't they just look it up? Ultimately, he was explaining it because not everyone was Hebrew. Not everyone was a Jew. And he wanted people to understand that every tribe, tongue, and nation could understand that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He's making way a possible, a right relationship with you. So that's what happens. He ultimately says, will you receive him? Will you invite Jesus in? He's God with us. He wants his non-Jewish readers to understand that God is with us. No matter what's happening in this world. It's fascinating. Matthew begins his narrative with the sign of the coming, Emmanuel, God with us. But he finishes his gospel in chapter 20. He says in chapter 28 and verse 20, he says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, I'm with you in Matthew chapter 1. And he says at the end in chapter 28, as, he's, as he closes out the gospel, I will be with you to the end of the age. The one who is with us, God with us, will always be with us because Jesus is with us. He goes through difficult times in our lives. This morning, as we think about maybe the last two years, there's been a, a lot of crazy things that have happened in, in our world. Uh, and I think of even the last five years across our church family, so many people have faced trials of various kinds and and loss and, and sickness and, and death and loss of jobs and marriages that have fallen apart and struggles that people have had. And you know what the reality is this morning is? As we look at the Word of God, His Word tells us He's with us. In the midst of all of our trials, midst of all of our struggles, God is with us. One thing that's consistent through each and every one of these trials, God has been with us. We get to, to serve. We get to tell people that Jesus is 100% God. He is 100% man. And he was born not just so we could have a celebration on December the 25th and, and give gifts. But he came to die for our sins and offer us the greatest gift ever given, eternal life. So I wonder about you this morning. What about you? Will you open the door to your heart to Jesus today? Or will you slam it shut to the Savior? Because he's knocking this morning. He's knocking at the door of our heart. And he wants to come in. You see, the gospel is only a good news if it arrives in time. It's only a good news if we receive it and it's applied to our lives. It's one thing to believe that Jesus died on the cross it's something completely different to believe that he died for me. And folks, it means that whoever receives him shall receive eternal life. This morning, if you want to know Christ as your Savior, if you'll confess your sin, the Word of God says he is faithful, he's just, he's forgiving, he's loving, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's all of these things, and he will forgive us and cleanse us. Of all of us. And I wonder, what about you? Will you open the doors of your heart? God is with you, and God is ultimately for you. Jesus came down in order to lift us up. That is a miraculous birth. And folks, that's what he came for. Ultimately, not everyone is interested in Emmanuel. 
Uh, Kevin DeYoung said is spot on when he wrote, he says, perhaps the most common reason people don't believe in God is simply this. They don't want anyone telling them what to do. Folks, I would rather be absolutely wrong, folks, uh, in all of this and say, you know, at at the end of the day, I have a personal relationship with God. My life is so much richer. It's not about a list of rules of what I can and can't do. It's about the fact that Jesus paid my sin debt and offers me a free relationship with God the Father. And folks, for that, I'm eternally grateful. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God because God loves me. Luke 2 verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Who is Christ the Lord? Do you believe this morning that he was born for you? 2,000 years ago, he came to earth as a baby to die for you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he loves you that much? Are you waiting for a sign to be saved? Because Jesus came in the cradle in order that he might ultimately go to the cross. Jesus When he returns, he'll be wearing a crown, folks. Are you ready to repent and receive Jesus Christ into your heart and life? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.